Uh, hands down, I would recommend that everyone understands what their Colby score is, K-O-L-B-E, Colby.com, uh, the Colby Index. That has been a game changer for me, and it's allowed me the permission to double down on my natural instinctual talents. Uh, it's not a personality assessment. It's about how you instinctually get stuff done and uh, and and where your use of uh, energy units in a given day, week, or year can cause possible potential burnout uh, with things. So for me, it's uh, it's something I probably communicate with uh, people on an almost daily basis. And, uh, you know, that directly leads to, you know, my connection with the strategic coach organization, which I'm a member of. And I, I would highly encourage anyone on their entrepreneurial journey. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight bigger businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great guest on the podcast, uh, Richard Canfield. And uh, Richard grew up uh, in a fam or grew up in a family-owned business, and uh, where they did, uh, I think, porta potty services, if I'm uh, correct. And, uh, and then uh, after uh, going to high school, started out as an electrician out of high school. Um, also started doing uh, a lot of uh, learning or taking advantage of a lot of different learning opportunities with joining groups and doing seminars and otherwise ex expanding uh, the knowledge base. Uh, afterwards, got into um, some real estate um, and then got into the process of becoming or into how people can become their own banker and teaching them that and, and helping them along that uh, part of their journeys. And that uh, leads them to where he's at today. So with that much as an uh, introduction, welcome on the podcast, Richard. Excited to be with you here, Devin, and uh, looking forward to having some fun and uh, um, providing a lot of value as much as we can in the time that we have today. Absolutely. So excited to have you on. Looking forward to a great discussion. So now, so I just gave the 30,000 or 30 second version of a much longer journey. So why don't we uh, rewind and unpack that a bit um, and tell us a little bit about uh, how your journey got started to growing up in a family or in a family that uh, was uh, in the porta potty business. Well, uh, a long time ago, uh, you know, I think my, my dad realized that he was effectively unemployable by other individuals. And uh, I think when you turn through enough uh, employment opportunities, you, you you come to realize that maybe you need to be your own boss. And, uh, you know, they, they moved out to a farming community. I'm from a very small farming community in uh, Alberta, Canada. And, you know, the the you're getting a septic tank cleaned, you realize, oh, that's even a, something that you do. You got to hire someone to do that. And so, you know, an opportunity came about where he could buy another gentleman's truck and uh, sort of take over his clientele and start building his own. And, you know, then, you know, later on, my mom, who had a, had a job for uh, actually the, the liquor control board, which basically got privatized in the province of Alberta. So she was losing that that position. And so, you know, there was going to be out of a job. So what do we do now? Well, we're, we're already in the we're already in the pile of crap. Why don't we just double down essentially on that environment? So that's kind of the conversation that was had over the kitchen table. And mm -hmm. lo and behold, it's like, well, we found some some existing portable toilets, got a couple tested it out for a little while, and then got a contract for a rodeo. They needed a whole bunch more we didn't have, so we had to go buy them. And then that led to expansion and trucks and equipment and trailers and, you know, a lot of yellow, little yellow and green buildings dotted all over our 10 acres uh, surrounded by farmland. And so growing up, I, I learned how to build them, move them, ship them, 
clean them, take them everywhere, uh, you know, really operate uh, the logistic aspect of a business that that's spread out over a lot of a lot of miles. And so it was a very interesting and and you know I I don't take anything away from my upbringing, but but I also learned that you had to work hard quite a bit. And uh, you know there were times when I would, you know, if you, if you imagine you're supposed to be studying for an exam in, in high school, but yet you're leaving the school and you're jumping into a truck with a tank on the back and you're driving to another community to go deal with uh, outhouses, it's a little bit of a different environment than maybe the average bear, if that kind of makes sense. Hmm. So uh, you know all those create, you know, they create. Uh, I, I would like to I would like to say there were probably character building opportunities along the way. And what's interesting is I actually, I didn't realize this until much later. A lot of times things come to you as you have time to reassess or evaluate think lessons that you learn in life. They don't even know we're lessons. And I realized that I actually got pretty good at sales to some degree because I could sell my friends on the ability that we were going to go do something later. But before we could go do that, we were going to go on a portable toilet run. In other words, I'm going to get you to help me deliver some stuff to some other location. And then when that's done and completed, so I was able to negotiate a lot of free labor. Uh, and I realized that it was a skill that, you know, my, but both my parents had, and, and I just kind of developed it, I think naturally. So I didn't understand that I was selling people on the idea of getting, getting them to do some work or helping me out. The reality is people were happy to help you out in a small community. Uh, but ultimately that became something that uh, has really resonated with me as I, as I've gotten older and understanding that, you know, that's more of an innate skill that uh, was was developed through uh, let's call it uh, let's call it fire to some degree and uh, and has has really proven to be a valuable skill for me over time. You know, sh- shooting forward, getting out of that industry. You know, my my parents wanted me to go be a lawyer, uh, coincidentally, and uh, I said I, I'm probably not meant for uh, a college education. I think I would probably punch out a professor if I got there in the environment. Probably not the best place for me to be. So opportunity came up to get into trades. I'm a very tactile individual. I actually loved it. I was I really loved being an electrician. It's a wonderful career for many people. Um, but the problem I realized in that is it was always just a stopgap. I knew it wasn't probably going to be the thing I was doing long term. It was just a stopgap uh, mechanism. Much mm-hmm. as I enjoyed it, I enjoyed working and teaching with apprentices. I realized the things that I enjoyed about it wasn't the job itself. It was the ability to help or engage with other people in some way. And fundamentally, you know. I can't really help people in a transformative fashion. Everything in an electrical environment is transactional. You're working for a big company. You're building someone else's, you know, building. You're working in a government facility that's like a hospital. So I worked at a lot of, and I built a, I built a maximum security prison. I worked at a lot of like uh, institutional level type projects before moving into the oil field where, you know, my last two years in that career, I, uh, I call it my penance in uh, Fort McMurray, where uh, is basically oil Berta, if you're familiar so a lot of that dirty oil coming out of the ground or whatever. So I was involved in uh, working on an electrical project there. Made a lot of great relationships. But again, what really activated for me was kind of the sales skills scenario of being able to negotiate getting the work that I wanted done done in a timely fashion by positioning people around me to agree to certain things, you know, getting permits and that sort of stuff. So, you know, when I was at a point where we had, you know, job trailers and there would be you know, 40 or so guys in each job trailer, and I would get them together in one. And I was telling them how to, you know, put their registered accounts to work that the uh, company was giving them uh, freely every time they put an hour in and they weren't setting it up or managing it or looking at it. And I was educating them, hey, you, did you know, you can invest in some real estate. Did you know you can do private lending? Did you know that you could do blank and blank and blank? Um, I realized I was just in the wrong industry. <laughs> so uh, shooting forward to uh, February 6th of 2008 was my final day as an electrician. So I'm I'm 15 years uh, basically uh, recovering from that environment. And, uh, you know, it wasn't long after that, that uh, in August of 2009, after I got my real estate license and I was uh, operating as a realtor, that this book, Becoming Your Own Banker, came into my life from a very good friend of mine 
who told me to go buy it. And uh, after I read this book, it just changed everything for me. It, it fundamentally has restructured my mindset, everything I think about uh, life, getting to know the author who became my, my friend and my mentor. I loved him dearly. He uh, unfortunately graduated uh, in March of 2019 at the age of 88. Uh, he would have said, Nelson Nash would have said he was 88 revolutions around the sun. Um, you know, he was calling people from his deathbed. He was going about to go into a surgery. He just, he didn't think he was coming out. And, uh, he, that's the kind of guy he was, he was, he was always giving and working until, you know, because he, he, he would say things. It's a, it's more about the message than it is about the man. And so a lot of character building traits that, um, I would think I was able to amplify from just the experience of getting to know him. You know, he was married to his wife, Mary for, I believe close to 60 years, when you think about that and you think about how many how many times do you meet someone that's been married for 60 years in the day and age we live in there's there's i think a lot less of that going on and so those are you know uh traits and characteristics that i wanted to embrace and take on into my own life and so when you have someone who creates an amazing example for you we have an opportunity to learn vicariously through the 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 wisdom opportunities and the life experience of others but also from their their failures and areas where things didn't go well so every time that someone around you does something you don't like or doesn't you don't think is a fit or you don't see a result that you like there's an opportunity for you to learn in what they've done so the people that you know are smashing their head against the wall and the people that are you know winning and you know making touchdowns all day long you have an opportunity to learn from both of these experiences and I think at an early age, that was something I was able to learn and embrace through the circumstance of being in the portable toilet business, to be honest. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, moving forward to uh, 2019, when this book came to my life, it just changed everything. And there's not a single aspect of my life that hasn't been positively impacted by it, essentially. So now you, so you, you know, you make that shift, you transition from, Hey, electrician for a good period of time, uh, want to make do something different, read the book, changes your life. And so now what did that put you on as far as a career path? In other words, you're saying, hey, I know I want to do something different. I've got this idea. Or I've got, you know, read this book and give me a good direction. Now, how did you set up a business around that? And kind of how did that evolve and iterate or, as you went through it? That's a really good question. Uh, so, you know, when I, when it was time to leave my electrical career, I, I knew I knew it was time. I, I had a plan around how I was going to do it. Um, I was fairly involved in real estate from a, my personal investment standpoint. I was involved in like networking groups and that sort of thing around that environment. So that's where my know, really my contact base and like my joy was coming from was being around those types of people. So getting my real estate license was a natural kind of transition. But I knew as I was getting the real estate license, you know, taking the course, completing that and getting started in that industry, I, I knew before I even signed up for the course that it was going to be transitional. I knew that that wasn't the thing I was going to be doing. I didn't know what the thing I was going to be doing was. I, mm. I just knew it was on the other side of that. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I, I didn't have a vision. I just fundamentally knew at my core this is just something I'm able to do that I probably will enjoy and I'll probably excel at, but it's not the thing I'm meant to be doing. I always knew, you know, that I'm meant to be in the environment of educating people in some way to take more control over their financial life. And uh, that doesn't mean investing their money. That means educating them on how they can have more control over their money. I just didn't know what was going to be the thing that was going to, you know, transpire to allow me to do that effectively. Real estate was one category where that made sense but it wasn't the only one. And so I knew I wasn't kind of married to that. So then after being licensed for, you know, about roughly about a year and uh, you know, first year in, in any kind of business is usually not an easy one, <laughs> as I'm sure that you can, you can, uh, you've had lots of guests on your program who've talked about that. Mm -hmm. um, but when the book came into my life, I realized uh, that this is the thing I'd been looking for. 
And in fact, I was actually really frustrated and irritated with people uh, for quite a while. I had like a bit of a chip on my shoulder, which isn't normally like me, um, because fundamentally, in order to do the thing that you know is, is talked about in this book, we teach people how to have that autonomy and control of their personal economy through their day-to-day cash flow and optimize it for for utilization for the many things in their life they're going to be putting their money to work on, whether it's buying cars, investing, paying their property, or whatever it is that capital is going to, we're trying to optimize it so that it can do more jobs for you throughout your lifetime and, and do a lot of tax-free things at the same uh, period. So understanding that in order to do that, I had to go get an insurance license, which meant I had to have another governing license plus the one I already had in real estate. I wasn't too happy about that. I don't know about you. I'm not a big fan of, uh, let's call it big brother, um, mm-hmm. overseeing everything I do and, 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 putting guardrails around my ability to communicate with, uh, with other human beings. So I was really like uh, stuck in a bit of a crux point about that, I think. And ultimately, you know, I was having, I was, I was, I was being snippy with people around me because I didn't want to go get a government license, but I realized that, okay, this is the right thing to do. If I really believe in this, it, it comes down to this. When you know something, you know, you, you go out for a steak dinner, and you have an incredible meal, uh, great service. I mean, everything is just pristine. You're going to go tell your friends and family about that. You're not going to. You're not going to just keep that, you know, close to the chest and just like that's only your restaurant. Like you're never going to tell anyone about it because you just want to like hoard it in some way. So if you wouldn't do that for a great meal place that you would go for, you know, a restaurant, well, you can't do that with life changing information that you now know. So I just felt compelled, and I felt this is only this is the only way that I can proceed. If I don't share this with people, what 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 wasn't shared with me, my parents didn't know what the forty thousand dollars of of money that I spent at guru real estate gurus and courses and events in the previous ten years of my life trying to advance my financial education. None of those people told me that in ninety two pages I got a better financial education. If I don't share that with other people, what the hell does that say about me? Mm-hmm. So I was compelled. I did not. I could not in my integrity sit on my laurels and do nothing. It just didn't, didn't fit. So I made the decision and then, uh, that that's how, you know, jumping into business. So the, the colleague, his name is Jason. He's actually the co-host of our podcast, wealth without Bay street. Um, he, he's the one who told me to get the book, uh, at that point, he was, he had also made a similar decision as I had. And so I embraced that and I decided to join forces with him and a few other uh, team members. And then we began trying to teach this concept that Nelson put together to Canadian families. And uh, eventually we built that into a course, which we delivered, you know, multiple times a month for three or four years uh, until I I eventually left that organization and forged ahead on my own. And now uh, Jason and I have come back together again in the last three and a half years with our new company, our podcast, and uh, we're we're embracing changing the lives of, you know, thousands of families across Canada and the U.S. at this point. And we're having a hell of a good time doing it. That sounds like uh, quite the journey and uh, quite the fun time and uh, and a lot of uh, opportunities uh, yet lie ahead. And kind of with that, so as you kind of caught up to the present day, where do you kind of see if you're to project out in the next, you know, six to 12 months, where do you see things headed? Kind of what's the next steps for you? Uh, it's a super good question. I mean, at the end of the day, um, we we are only, you're only able to do so much as a, as a physical human being with the time constraints that we have and the other responsibilities you have in life, wife, kids, the things that you need to do that are important. But if you believe that you're adding value into the world, you have to start changing the questions that you ask yourself about how can you 
achieve scale where you can help the most amount of people. If you yourself have limitations, which we all do to some degree, then the only way you can multiply those is either through the use of people or technology. So we use a combination of those two things, but ultimately it's people first. People first relative to our clients, our team as we build and grow, but also in the way that we think uh, beyond our own organization. So, you know, we, we aren't the end all be all and we don't want to be. What we want is we want freedom and control at the financial level on the personal economic household or the business, the business economy that is controlled by individual people. We want that to control the rest with them, not with someone else. Every time that we give up control of our own financial uh, identity and, and capacity and decision-making, whether it's through investments or something else, to another human being, we amplify the risk to the individual. Whereas probability is no one's going to care about or manage or take care of your money to the degree that you will, as long as you understand how. So if we can embrace those principles with more people, that's not limited to our organization. So what I see is really what Nelson and uh, a gentleman who is a member of the board of directors of the Nelson Nash Institute, which is an educational organization uh, based out of Birmingham, Alabama. I'm I'm on the practitioner council, the first inaugural council of other practitioners that teach what we do. And there's quite a number of us all over North America, and we're, we're growing and accelerating that. But if we can get 10% of the population, the idea of the tipping point, if you've ever read anything by Malcolm Gladwell, you get 10% of a given population base embracing an idea, that idea becomes an unstoppable force within that population um, mechanism. So if we get 10% of the North American population embracing Nelson's concept, what we're doing is we're reducing the burden of the fractional reserve system. We're implementing uh, personal autonomy and control and responsibility over capital at the you and me level. And that becomes an unstoppable force that can solve really, in my opinion, a lot of societal issues and problems. So there's something much bigger at work here than just what Richard can do. It's what Richard can inspire others to do. And then the ripple effect of that uh, as it, as it spreads out over time. And so I'm just doing my best to channel my inner Nelson Nash who put this all together and left it for me to be able to, in, in, in my opinion, em, embrace what he's done and see how many people I can help, help discover their inner Nelson. Uh, I guess I would say along the path of life and when it, relative to how, how it comes to control of their financial, uh, their financial circumstances. Well, sounds like uh, plenty of uh, fun to, yet to have in the future and uh, lots of things to, to, uh, or, or keep you busy. So with that, now as we've uh, reached the present day of your journey and even uh, looking a bit into the the future of where things are headed, great time to transition to the two questions always asked at the end of each episode. Um, so the first question I'd like to ask is, along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made? What'd you learn from it? Uh, I would say the worst business decision I ever made was probably not, not moving forward quickly enough with the decision to start doing the infinite banking concept uh, and, and to embrace it. I mean, not that it would have saved me a lot of time, but I think the the period where I was humming and hawing about uh, government overreach by having an extra license really was an unnecessary circumstance. And any any piece of time I could have back to begin this journey just a little bit earlier, those are more families I could have helped. Hmm. No, I think that, you know, and that one's always a hard one. You can tell yourself, you know, it's never a good time. And I, I think that there's never an ideal or a perfect time. At least there's better times than others for when to get started. But oftentimes you keep kind of keep worrying or pushing it out or waiting for that ideal time and look back and wish you'd uh, done it sooner. So certainly an uh, easy mistake to make, but a great one to learn from. 
Second question now that I like to ask is, so now if you're talking to somebody that's uh, just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Uh, hands down, I would recommend that everyone understands what their Colby score is, K-O-L-B-E, Colby.com, uh, the Colby Index. That has been a game changer for me, and it's allowed me the permission to double down on my natural instinctual talents. Uh, it's not a personality assessment. It's about how you instinctually get stuff done and, uh, and, and where your use of uh, energy units in a given day, week, or year can cause possible potential burnout uh, with things. So for me, it's uh, it's something I probably communicate with uh, people on an almost daily basis, and uh, you know that directly leads to you know my connection with the strategic coach organization, which I'm a member of, and I I would highly encourage anyone on their entrepreneurial journey to understand their Colby and then get involved with strategic coach because the people, collaborations, connections, and the and the and the communication level about thinking bigger, um, the idea that 10x is easier than 2x. And who, not how, both are books written by Dan Sullivan, who runs Strategic Coach. I mean, th those have been game changers, and they all integrate or overlap with uh, instinctual talents that Colby identifies. Awesome. Definitely uh, think that's a great piece of advice and a great, uh, great takeaway. So with that, now as uh, we wrap up the episode, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? Uh, super simple. I mean, I, I would recommend, uh, you know, happy to give away a copy of our book, Cash Follow the Leader. Um, that's uh, available as a free digital download if you go to cashfollows.com. That's cashfollows.com. And uh, we also have a seven-step guide that uh, helps people understand what's the proper learning journey to, to decide if the idea of the infinite banking concept or becoming your own banker is the right fit for you. And you can go to sevensteps.ca, that's sevensteps.ca um, for a great resource. It has links to direct video content and, and other actionable items uh, in that journey. So um, great resources and all of those will, will probably lead you to Richard in some way or another. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to reach out, support a great business, and if nothing else, uh, make a new best friend. So with that, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners that are out there, if you have your own journey to share and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, we'd love to have you. So just go to inventiveguest.com, apply to be on the show. A couple more things as listeners. Make sure to click share, subscribe, leave us a review. Helps us to reach even more startups and small businesses to help them along their journey to success. And on that note, if you ever need help along your journey with any patents, trademarks, or copyrights, just go to strategymeeting.com. Grab some time with us to chat. We're always here to help. Well, thank you again, Richard, for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Much appreciated.